many of you glad you're here? You're going you're gonna to hear the, 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 the Word of God this morning. And uh, we're heading it, we're into that second week of our series called The Goodness of God. So um, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's commit this time to God. Father, it's so good to be in the house of God. We're here to learn, to listen, and to apply what we hear. Not just in, in, let it go beyond our hearts, right to our feet. Help us to walk out this word that we hear today. They bring, may it bring glory to you and bring blessing to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> amen. God is in the good. That's the message, my, the title of my message, God is in the good. And, and I said a couple of weeks ago, one of the reasons why we're doing this, this series is because of what I'm going to try to counteract a, a lot of the negative rhetoric we're hearing all the time. You know, and, and we always hear that there's the beating of the negative drums all the time. We hear that in the news media. We hear people talking about it. So we're doing this, this series to counteract all the negativity that we're hearing. And it seems like all we're hearing is negative, bad news, worst-case scenarios from global economic collapse potential and from global world, um, food shortages to um, global wars, um, even global warming, you know. And so, and, there, and, and there's so much fake news out there, isn't there? You know, and our soul and our spirit can literally be held captive by this constant bad news that we're hearing. And, and, we, and literally, we can totally forget about, we wonder, like, where's God in all of this? And we're wondering, like, God, where are you? But let me tell you today that in the midst of whatever's happening in our world, God is good. God is good. The title of my message I said today is God is in the good. James chapter 1 verse 17 says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect thing comes from the Father. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Jesus said, If you, then though you are, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Ask Him. Psalm 27, verse 13. I believe it was David who said, I remain confident of this. I will. See the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What does that mean? When is that? Right now, right here, in the land of the living. Not pie in the sky when you die, but in the now, even in the nasty now, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Today, I want you to see the goodness of God in a way you probably, maybe you never saw the goodness in this way. I want to give you a fresh view of, and a new way in this series about the goodness of God. But first I want to talk to you about vision. I want to talk to you about vision. Vision is your ability to see, to imagine, and to dream. Vision is so vital. Vision is so vital. Your purpose your passion for living, for life, the fire 
that fuels and sustains you, it all comes through vision. Vision is so important. And so many people have lost their vision over the last couple of years. They've lost their vision for their job. They've lost their vision for their future. Some people have lost their vision for their finances. They've lost their vision for their families. Maybe they lost their vision for maybe a healing in their life or some other area. But vision is so important. Proverbs 29, verse 18 is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And it says, where there is no vision, what happens? That people perish. You have to have vision to make it in life. That word vision is the Hebrew word hazon. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. Hazon, which literally means a dream. A dream. So you have to have a dream for your life. You have to have a goal for your life. You've got to have a purpose for your life. You've got to have a vision for your life. You have to know where you're going in the next year, in the next 10 years, in the next decade. Otherwise, you're just drifting around. If there's no dream, no vision, no goal, no life objective, no purpose, then the people perish. The way you see your future is the way you will live your life. The way you perceive tomorrow is the way that you will live tomorrow. The way you see it, the way you see it, your life, determines your stress level. It will determine your success level. It will determine your, your stability level. It will even determine your spiritual strength level. Success, strength, stress, stability. It all depends on how you see your life and how you see yourself and most importantly, how you see God. You've got to be able to see. It's all about vision. Many people have lost their vision because life has not turned out the way that they thought it would. And maybe some of you, that's, maybe that describes some of you. Maybe some of you here, you're here today and you feel old, you feel tired, and you feel beat up by life. You know, you, even though you're young, you can feel old. And maybe that's you. Maybe you lost your vision. Maybe you lost your sense of purpose. Maybe you lost a sense of the divine in your life. But I want to tell you today, if that's you and that's us, God wants to give us, he wants to give the church new vision, new strength, and a new sense of self-worth. Do you believe that? God wants to do something new and fresh. In the Bible, describes through various metaphors, many metaphors, what we're to be like as the people of God, as believers in Christ. And you think of some of the metaphors in the Bible. God calls us to be runners. What kind of runners? Marathon runners who finish the race for Christ. He calls us to be priests, who are ministers who represent God before people who don't know him. He calls us to be kings, that we have power and authority to push back the forces of darkness. He calls us to be salt and light. He calls us to be corporately like the city on the hill, 
All these are metaphors. He calls to be heralds and ambassadors of the good news, servants of the God Most High, vessels to be used for God's glory, shepherds to look after God's people, soldiers of Christ, stars that shine in the universe. And he'll give me one more, eagles. He calls us to be like eagles. About two or three weeks ago, we, Karen and I, uh, were, were, uh, spent the whole morning talking to all the kids of Lethbridge Christian School about their identity. And Miss Beatrice, grade two teacher, asked us, said, could you come, you guys come and talk to the students about who they are in God? Tell them that they're called for a purpose. Tell them they have an identity, that they're special, that God wants to be involved in their lives and even the decisions that we make. And so we said we would do it. And one of the ways that we did it, we talked about all the we talked about the eagle and how their lives compared to that of an eagle. Well, I want to do the same thing for you this morning. Is that okay? You want to pretend that you're like your kids because we're all children of God, right? I'm going to tell you that story that I told. You know, I've told that story before. It's one of my favorites, but you don't mind if I tell it again. Let's talk about eagles. Eagles are regal birds. You go back to that. That one side, you know, this is an, a Mongolian eagle. Incredible, isn't it? Powerful birds. And, they, and they're powerful. They're, eagles are noted for their strength, for their power, for their dignity, and the wingspan. California condor, 115 inches, almost 10 feet in. in, in, in and, re, and you think about 10 feet. 10 feet is from here to where those mics are. That's the span. That's the wingspan. That's like a small plane, isn't it? Powerful, powerful wings. Another attribute of the eagle. Next, you know, eyes. Huge eyes. The ability to see incredibly eight to ten times what we can see with our eyes. You see, an, an eagle up in the sky can see a rabbit move up to three miles away. Boom, they could see a movement. You see, our eagles, when they're flying in the sky, high in the sky, they can see another eagle 50 miles away. Incredible. Incredible animals. There are 68 species in over 26 countries. And I don't, this is a story I heard. I, I don't know if it's really factual, but it, I read the story about a species of eagle that when it gets old, it begins to lose its eyesight. It can start to lose its eyesight. And the reason why is because over time, it develops this, this tumor, this nodule right between its eyes. And there's these fine veins and, 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 and these toxins sort of build up right between its eyes. And over time, it slowly starts to go blind to the point that it can no longer hunt its prey. Here's an eagle hunting its prey. Can you... That's, an act, that's not a retouched photograph. E- eagles are literally fierce, you know, fierceless, you know, and birds. And, but over time, he loses his ability to hunt. And so he becomes, he becomes weaker and weaker, and he starts to get depressed. And he knows he's at the end of his lifespan. And so what he does, what the eagle does, is he finds the highest mountain cave that he can find. And he'll find that cave and he'll back up into that cave and he'll just sit there. And he'll start, and he's just depressed. And he'll start to lose his 
his feathers. He feels old. He feels weak, tired, and he's lost his vision. But, but, the spirit that God put in that eagle will not allow him to die that way. Thing, you know, another great characteristic about eagles, they love big storms. They love turbulent winds. And they love to fly in them. So that, that old eagle, as soon as he hears the sound of a powerful wind blowing, something stirs within his heart. And he decides to get up. He said, I want to fly just one more time. Just one more time. Let me fly. So he gathers all his remaining strength. And he is so weak. But he slowly makes his way right to the edge of the precipice. And he does what he always did. He leans over. And he opens up his powerful wings. And suddenly an updraft of wind. Powerful draft of wind lifts him up and he finds himself going up. So he uses his powerful wings and he starts to move them up and down. And his intention is to go higher and higher. He wants to go as high as he possibly can with all the energy he has left. And when he hits that height, when he thinks he can't get any, far, any higher, he pulls in his wings, he points his head downward, and he, and he will plummet to earth to end his life. But something happens. As he goes higher and higher, the atmospheric pressure gets less and less, and this tumor that's between his eye suddenly bursts, and the pressure is gone. His vision is renewed. His strength returns, and once again, he mounts the heavenlies. Isaiah 40 29 to 31. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall do what? Shall renew their strength. They will mount up with Wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Vision comes by waiting upon the Lord, the scripture says. The old timers used to call it tarrying. Tarrying before the Lord. How do they tarry? Through prayer and fasting. That's a good way to start. Vision comes when we spend time in the presence of God. Praying getting serious with God, even fasting. Vision comes when we draw near to God in praise and worship. When we, God has given us wings, and we need to use it, and those wings, like worship and praise, draw us closer to God. Vision comes when we're filled with Holy Spirit. Paul Young-Hee Cho of Seoul, Korea, said that, that the language of the Holy Spirit is dreams and visions. That's often the way that he talks to us, through a dream or through a vision. And vision comes when we put God first and we seek his kingdom first and we truly allow Jesus to be Lord of our life. Amen?
God wants to give us, I say, new vision, new strength, new sense of self-worth. Many people have lost their self-worth as believers in Christ. So in this series, series, I want to give you a solid biblical foundation to believe and to see that God is good no matter what. Even in the bad times, God, wants, God is good to us. God has good for us. And we're going to answer uh, this common question. Well, if God is good, then why do bad things happen? I want to answer that question. Maybe not today, but next week I will. If you look at the Bible again and again and again, it says this, for the Lord is what? The Lord is good. And his love endures forever. You can find that many scriptures say the same thing. The Lord is good, and his love endures forever. The psalmist in Psalm 34 goes as, even further than that. He goes as far as to say this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. A revelation of his goodness that's so tangible, so real, that you can almost taste it. You can taste it. God's goodness is based on an everlasting covenant. And he spoke his, that covenant in Jeremiah, way back in Jeremiah 32, verse 40, where God said, I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will never stop, what? Doing good to them. Point number one, God, sorry, good is synonymous with God. Good is synonymous with God. And there is no good apart from God. There's no separation of good from God. Whether it's personal good, secular good, material good, natural good, human good. Wherever you experience something good, guess where it came from? It all originates from God. All good is seen as having its origin from God. God is in the good. God is in the good. All good is seen. Is or it originates from God, and you know, and we can see that if if you just if you, if you look at the, your life alone, like when you were a child, as children, we you, we can see, we can start experiencing the the good things of God almost the day that we're born. Think about the day that you were born. What happened the day that you were born? Someone held you, right? Someone took care of you. Someone fed you. Someone loved you, and as you grew up. You know, you, you spent all this, you spent years uh, putting on clothes that you never ever bought and going to the refrigerator because you were always hungry. You got any, any parents got kids who are hungry? Read the refrigerator and that refrigerator, just, you can, it's wearing that door out, right? See, good parents do good things for, that's what good parents do. They do good things for their kids, right? And the kids don't make that con- connection until maybe later when they start to grow up. And they're they starting to realize, you know, that, that good things are associated with good parents. And they wonder. And, and they start really, they realize that that food in the refrigerator just didn't get there on its own. Where did it come from? Or they put two together, start to make that connection. Oh, yeah, good things happen because we have good parents. And so we can, you know, as we grow up, we can credit our parents. But it even goes further back than that. It doesn't stop with good parents. It goes back to a supermarket or a store. It goes back to a farmer. It goes back to a field. It goes back to a seed. It goes back to a good, good God. Every good and perfect thing. Where does it come from? From the Father of Him above. 
So this week, I want to establish this truth in your hearts that God is in the good, that every good comes from above, that God, good is synonymous with God. You can't separate it. Mark's, Matthew's Gospel, 10, 17. says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. So in saying this, Jesus was not suggesting that he was not God. He was God and he is God, right? So the reason, but the reason Jesus answered this way was because he knew how much our human concept of goodness was lacking, needed stretching. See, what, what needs to happen, what we must do, even as believers, we've been believers for a while, we need to train ourselves to see, point two, we need to train ourselves to see the good that God has for us. So today, I want us to really see God's goodness, to start looking around you and start delighting yourself in the evidences of, evidence of God's goodness, of God's promises, God's favor in your life. And I want to give you, finish it off, with four ways that we can see that we have evidence of God's goodness in our life. Here's the first way. We see God's goodness in the evidence of creation. The Bible says that after creating life on this earth, God, after six days, the Bible says in Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made, and it was what? Very good. Not just good, very good. You know, if you say that scientists say that their concept, when they look into those telescopes and they look out into space, into the universe, their concept of space that they're able to see can be summed up in four words. These four words. When they look up, this is what they see. Darkness, lifelessness, emptiness, and unthinkable cold. That's what they feel. That's the general feeling that scientists have when they look out there. But astronauts, people who have actually been up in, their space, up in space and have actually saw our planet from afar, you know what their response is? One astronaut said, the Earth is a rare jewel, a beautiful blue marble that sustains vast amount of life, shines like no other planet in the entire universe. It literally shines and reflects the glory of of God. Remember that song? And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Does anybody know that song? Louis Armstrong. I wonder where he got his inspiration from. You know where he got from? He looked through the lens of God's goodness and favor. Goodness in the way that he created earth to be a blessing. Would you want to live on any other planet? No. No. Creation, literally, the Bible says, shouts, shouts the goodness and the glory of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. 
so true, isn't it? I, Pastor Dan Meyer said, we have this stunning way of focusing on missing fruit, snakes in the grass, when we are surrounded by an absolutely staggering abundance of blessing. So true. Apparently, that's been an issue for human beings since the beginning. We see God's goodness in creation. Second way, we can see the evidence of his goodness. We see God's goodness in the, the common graces. The common graces. Theologian, theologians call the simple good things that God gives us to almost to every, to every human being the common graces of life. They're the everyday gifts, the everyday graces that God gives us. For example, when I got up, I got up early this morning, about 4.30, I think, <clears throat> and the first thing you want to do, smell the coffee. <laughs> Actually, matcha, uh, matcha latte. What's it called? Matcha latte. I smelled, you know, first thing you want to do, you want to smell the coffee. But you don't want to just smell it. What do you want to do? You want to taste the coffee, right? You get up and you smell the coffee. You get up and you smell your wife's perfume, right? And you see the beauty. You see her beauty. <laughs> Both husbands say, yeah, good going. <laughs> you know, we came here. I came here and I felt the touch of the warm hands of fellowship from people that I know who love me, people who are kind. You know, we just, you know, we hear, we come this morning in our, in our church family, and together as a church family, we have opportunities to love and to learn and to grow, right? And, and to share with what, we, what we have with people who don't have as much as we have, right? What a beautiful gift that is. Not just to be given to, but to be able to be like God and to give to others. Even the simplest thing, like giving a smile and a handshake or a hug to someone, you know, is a blessing from God, isn't it? Number three, we see God's goodness in the stories in the Old Testament. We see it. Let me go through something. We see it this way. In the Old Testament, in the way that he treated Adam and Eve, right from the get-go, Genesis chapter 1, when Adam and Eve broke God's trust, and they broke his heart. So God could have just literally abandoned them. He could have even destroyed them, right? But instead, he clothes them with animal skins, and he takes care of them. We see God's goodness in sparing Noah's family from the flood. And somebody say, yeah, but why would God ever send a, a calamity like that, like the flood? But you know, if you really understand what was happening in Noah's day, that earth was overrun with wickedness. And it was, it was amazing that he even spared any of humanity, and he gave humanity a second chance. We see God's goodness in the calling of an old couple, Abraham and Sarah, way beyond their ability to produce children, but he supernaturally endowed and blessed them. And he used them to birth a spiritual nation, Israel, and which you and I are a part of. We see the goodness of God in the preservation, preservation of God's people all throughout the Old Testament. The famines, the pestilences, the wars. God blessed them. God protect them, protected them. We see God delivering his people from slavery in Egypt. We see the goodness of God. Even in God giving them this magnificent law called the Ten Commandments. The, the, the literally, this was the law that helped to preserve and, and protect and bless the people. The commandments were, were, were really good for the people. And, and 
those commandments were literally become the, the framework for the laws and moral codes of countless other nations to come, even our own, even our own Canada. We see God's goodness in the way he led his people in the wilderness and how he provided for them in the desert and he brought them right in to the promised land. We see God's goodness in the way that he, he didn't just leave them alone. He raised up judges and priests and kings to help lead his people. We see the goodness of God through the voice of the prophets, all the voices of the prophets, constantly warning Israel of the dangers, spiritual dangers, and, and calling them to justice and compassion to the widow and the orphan, to the poor and the foreigner, the stranger. And we see God's goodness even when they went into, into exile. The people would turn away from God. They would go into exile. They would go into captivity. But God never, ever gave up on them. He would continually, with patience and kindness, He kept calling them home. Wow. I mean, look at all these things in the New Testament. Like, who is good like our God? Finally, we see God's goodness when goodness was made flesh. The only one who was good is God. And who is God? Jesus. He is God in the flesh. And I, and I think about, and I've thought about this while I was preparing this message. You know, with all these evidences, even if, even if I never had the evidence of the goodness in creation, even if I never experienced any of the common grace, everyday graces, and even if I never even knew the history of God in the Old Testament, how God took care of them and shepherded them, even if I never knew all that, just the, per- the person and the work of Jesus Christ would be enough to convince me of God's character, that God is so good. You know, we think about, we read the Word of God, and we, we see Jesus reaching out to people. We see him embracing lepers and dining with outcasts. We see him stooping to wash the stinking feet of people who later, you know, abandon and even betray him. So what is this telling us about God? Or we see Jesus, and he tells us the story about the shepherd who leaves all the 99, and he goes out in the night and he looks for that one sheep. Or, we, or he, talks, he tells the story about the broken-hearted father who is just longing for the return of that wandering child. So what's he trying to get across? Or, or when Jesus is surrounded by clamoring people in the crowd, and he not only pays attention, but he literally stops, and he gives full attention to that person whom all the other people might have even rejected or even despised. And we see his goodness when he declares in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, his utmost compassion for prisoners, the hungry, the cold, the sick. Like, what's the message there? What is that message? And above all, above all, when Jesus voluntarily allows his, voluntarily allows his body to be brutalized, to be beaten, and to be bloody for people who would turn, later even turn their backs on him. And when he's hanging on the cross and he sees, he sees his mother Mary and, and John, and they're there to comfort Jesus in, the, in his last hour of loneliness. And instead, he moves to comfort them. And we see the goodness of God, the goodness of Jesus, when he promises the when he promises that dying thief next to him, paradise, that thief who was, who was literally hoping against hope for that last minute of grace. And of course, we see the goodness of God when Jesus 
literally with aching breaths, aching breaths, breaths, praise for the very people who put him on that cross. You know, and all these evidences. So what is, what is, what is God trying to say to us today? You know the answer, don't you? You know, what's the answer? you know what the answer is? Of course, God is good. No, no, it's not just good. He is very, very, very good. And His goodness reaches out to you. You know, this is God's most extravagant, most perfect display of His goodness through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that goodness just flows down to us and will be with us right into eternity. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be proclaimers of God's goodness and God's favor. Tell everybody you can about the goodness that you've received. Amen? We have every every reason to be optimistic. Every reason to be confident, every reason to have attitudes of gratitude, thankfulness, and every reason to look for good in every circumstance and every situation. Would you agree with that? God deserves credit for everything good. Every opportunity, every open door, every breakthrough, every blessing, it all goes back because of God. Amen? And instead of calling it good luck, call him a good, good God. Let's thank God for his goodness. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you, dear God, that gives us, even in the hardest, most difficult times, Lord, you have good for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. We just bow your heads for a minute. Father, I thank you for your goodness. And I know that there are many people who have gone through disappointing times and have faced hardship and still in the midst of that hardship. But I pray for them. I pray for strength for them. I pray for encouragement for them. I pray that they would just come away from all that and just sit in your presence, even for a few moments, even for a few minutes. And they just pour out their, your, their hearts to you. I thank you that God... You've come by your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, to comfort them. The Spirit that you give us is the Spirit of comfort. And Jesus, if there's anyone who knows suffering and disappointments, it's you. And you know, I know that you have the ability to supernaturally touch and minister to your people. I pray that you would surround that hurting person with others. I pray that you, if that's you, you would go and you would surround yourself with others or people who who can connect you with God who will pray for you and people who love you. I thank you there is healing. There is healing in the house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for us literally taking those disappointments, turning it around for good and bringing joy in the morning. Weeping may come, be in the night, but joy will come in the morning. Thank you for doing that. Jesus' name. Thank you for your goodness, grace, mercy, supernatural favor. 
Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Just keep your heads bowed just for another minute. I want to say maybe you're here and you're a person you've never really opened up your heart to Jesus. Maybe you know about him, but you never personally invited him into your heart. You know, the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. The old leaves, the new comes. And if that's you, I'm tired of the old. I want new. I want new, fresh new vision. I need new strength. And yet a new sense of self-worth. God, give me that. Ask him. Ask him. You know, if God is so good, then what can you ask from him right now? And if God is so good, how can we become more like him? And if God is so good, then why do you fear the future when you know that he said he promises he never leave you, never forsake you? And if God is so good, why can't you just open up your heart and just surrender your life to him right now? Give your life to Jesus. I promise that you will never, ever regret it. Greatest decision that you can ever make is to give your heart to Jesus. And if you've never really done that, and you're watching online too, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer to receive Christ into your heart. He wants to give you the gift of eternal life, the gift of a brand new relationship with God through himself, through Jesus Christ, the gift of heaven. If you're ready for that, repeat after me. I'm going to say, and when you say these words, say them with all your heart. Dear Jesus, my heart is open. I'm receptive. I ask you to do a new thing in my heart. Please forgive me of all my sins. Make me into that new person I prayed for. Come into my heart. Be Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time, if you said it online, will you touch that little hand near the bottom of the screen? We'll connect you to someone. We'll talk to you, tell you what your next move when God, in your relationship with God is. If you're here today, you said that prayer for the very first time, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. And if you said that prayer, I want you to go back after service to the, uh, the connections booth right there. And we've got a gift for you to help you in your next faith step. You'll we'll connect you with someone there too as well. Amen? Amen. Let's see, if you said that prayer for the very first time, welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to a brand new life. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to City Light too as well. Amen? Amen.